0: Hi there, I'm Zach Raff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time,
1: Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm terrible. I, I mean, we're all terrible, right? Let's just be straight up and honest about it. But we are here in the audio community talking about independent music and why it gives us life and why music, frankly, gets us through the toughest times when we are going through all of these insane, unprecedented things. But more on that in a moment. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. We are here with 100 Words or Less, the podcast, doing that independent music thing like I was telling you about. And we have Riley Gale from Power Trip this week. This was a spectacular episode. It took us, gosh, I don't know, two months to set up. We were trading emails and phone calls and just missing each other. But Riley and I finally connected and uh, he did it over his cell. So there's there's sometimes where his service got a little spotty, but uh, you know, I eliminated most of the worst parts of it. But uh, yeah, you know, just just bear with us because that was uh, that was what we were dealing with at that time. But um, so, a programming note for those of you that pay attention to the show on a week to week basis, I'm taking next two weeks off, and this is you know completely separate from this whole coronavirus thing that the entire world is going through. But um, yeah, I'm just shifting hosting platforms for my podcast, and uh, yeah, you'll you, nothing will change on your end. The podcast will still be free. You'll still be able to download it on a weekly basis. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be coming back on the week of, let's see, what is it? April 8th will be the next episode. So take the next two weeks, you know, maybe just dive back in the archives, okay? Because there's plenty of episodes that maybe you missed or whatever. So next two weeks are off. It'll start back up on April 8th. And um, yeah, this the world is chaos right now. I know myself, like it just, it, it feels crippling. It feels numbing. Um, You have all, you have this, you know, wide group of people being like, it's nothing to be concerned about. And then you see all of the measures that cities and states are taking against this disease. It's just, it's crazy. It's unlike anything that any of us have ever lived through. And it's going to be like this for a very long time. And you just, just do your best to adjust and self-care because in this, this, this chaos that's looming, um, the only way that you can be of service to your community and the people around you is for one, making sure that you are staying away from people and taking care of yourself two, taking care of the people who literally live in your house. And then if you are not of a compromised health individual, so, you know, you're, you're young, and uh, you have the ability to traverse in the world, make sure you take care of those people who are. Maybe your parents, maybe your grandparents. Make sure to check in on them. Go grocery shopping for them. Pick up medicines or whatever the case may be. Or just check on your neighbors, because I'm sure there are people who are even more scared than you may be, okay? So just, just take care of each other. That's the best advice I can give you throughout all this. And listen to a lot of records, because that's what I've been doing, and it feels great to be able to I don't know, slow down for a second. Realize that there is nowhere to go. There's no fear of missing out. There's no, you know, shows that are happening. It's like, no, let's just, let's listen to some records that you might not have listened to for a long time or listen to some podcasts, right? That's what we're here for. So anyways, I hope you're safe. I hope you are staying sane. And um, for those of you that also pay attention to the show on a week-to-week basis and have supported me over this journey of uh, you know my wife being diagnosed with cancer, uh, the most recent round of tests have come back negative. She's in the clear. It feels incredible to say that because she's now, it's like three years clear of it. And uh, yeah, have some more rounds of tests to go over the next year and a half, but uh, it feels really, really good. So thank you for caring. Thank you for emailing the show, 100 podcast at com. I always like to, uh, yeah, just reach out in the same way that uh, you reach out to me and I appreciate that. So anyways, here is uh, the conversation I had with Riley Gale. Power Trip is an incredible band. They're recording right now, and uh, they had to cancel some tours. The whole music industry is reeling from this whole, um, you know, pandemic that we're a part of. And do what you can to support them, not only Power Trip but all of the artists that had to cancel, you know, massive tours. And they have merch that they've ordered and records that they can't release and all this crazy stuff. So please support your independent music community cuz so many people are being affected by this uh, up and down the ladder and it's uh, it's heartbreaking and i i i want all of us to do what we can in supporting this community. So anyways, this here's a discussion with Riley and uh, I will talk to you at the very end of the episode and let you know what i have coming up uh, on April 8th, the next new episode.
2: Okay. The execution is here.
1: You know being you know coming from like the the punk and hardcore world i always love to watch bands that start to you know kind of cross over and transition from you know being an exclusively <laughs> hardcore band to um you know something that is obviously you know playing to a different crowd um i'm gonna guess like when you first started to you know play more metal-based shows um were you, uh, I guess, like, you know, nervous or intimidated, or you were just like, I don't care, here's a whole new audience?
2: No, I, I guess it was, like, the the option C. Like, there was, like, it was starting to hit this point where we are playing with these other bands, and, like, it was, like, we'd open for Agnostic Front or the Chrome mags or whatever, and we'd, like, outdraw them and have, like, a crazier show. And then, and then in my mind, we started thinking this from around 2014, 15. I'm like, look, just put us in a room with people who like heavy music, and I think they'll they'll leave liking us because then we play with like Crowbar and prong and stuff, and still do just as well. And uh, and so that is so, so it was this thing where I was just kind of like put us in a room with with, with 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 people who like heavy music, and I think we can like the, we'll, leave, we'll leave we'll leave the show, and the worst thing that they'll think is is that we didn't suck. You know, so, not For me, but the, we didn't, They didn't suck. It was like, that, that was like, I thought. You know, I believed in that, and then we got offered that Death Heaven Anti Claim of God tour in 2016, and that was kind of like the the chance that I to, to prove my to, to prove my point, and uh, and it kind of worked because you know it wasn't one of those things where it was kind of a mixed bill sort of. Um show you know like i i go you know we're we don't right write it even though death heaven wasn't we don't right write into being in with like a mainstream metal crowd you know and 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 they like us. yeah totally totally
1: i think it's you know i think it's one of those things too where once you start to be you know comfortable with how you are as a band, and like you said, just be like, yo, put us in a room with loud guitars, and like we'll probably do okay. Um, and then just be able to, you know, lean into that and be like, well, at least we inspired reaction. People either hate us or they love us.
2: That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, like I mean, most of the time, see, I think, uh, I think, I think we're good. I believe in my band enough, and I think we're a good enough band where where people mostly leave think they're they're neutral on us. You know, like. Like we, we usually, you know, not like to, to, to brag or boast or anything, you know, we usually really impress these people who've never heard us before. And then, and then what happens is, is they go home and they check us out and then they come back around the next time and they're, they're super fans. But yeah, I mean, we have plenty of people who, um, I, I I'll never, I don't know why this still sticks in my mind, but there was just this guy on the Highland Fire shore, uh, uh, that he was, like, shorter hair, uh, uh, redhead, like, red, orange mustache, who just was not impressed by us at all, like, he, like, was clearly there to see Han Fire, didn't give a fuck about us, like, and that's cool, I don't care.
1: Right, yeah, you just, like, well, the, okay, I, I, we're never gonna have 100% approval rating, because, obviously, it's music, and everyone's gonna have an opinion on it, but, you know, yeah, I, <laughs>
2: I told exactly. exactly. But I can go, out, I can go out there and do my, do my best, you know? And like, yeah, I don't, I I, I don't even need to sit there, you know, like, like I would hate the question, like why, like if someone asked me, I don't think I've ever been asked, but if someone was like, why should, uh, people listen to power trip? I think maybe I have been asked before. I'd be like, I don't know. I don't really care. Like listen to whatever you want. Like there's, there's there's stuff there that 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 you know like like we're not an essential a, a band what we're doing isn't isn't changing the wheel of music and I think any artist out there these days that says they are is pretty arrogant and pretty self-absorbed we're just trying to do what we do well and that's like really just our goal there to just you know we have our influences we like what we like and we're just trying to to, to to write songs in that vein and make them as good as they can be and see how the outcome is. So, yeah, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And I, I just remember uh, for years, I worked at uh, Century Media Records. And, you know, like I mentioned, like coming from sort of the punk and hardcore scene, that is what I was used to. And of course, I liked metal, but I didn't have the deep knowledge of like what the culture was like until I started to work with some of these bands and like, you know, not throwing shade Mm -hmm. on them, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, when bands, cause obviously century media has a lot of bands in Europe. And so once they started to like tour over here in the States and then be like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, we need a tour bus. And it's like, dude, you only are going to have like two or 300 people at the show. Like we can't, you can't afford a bus. And just that,
2: that, that divergence. Touring, Europe versus touring America are two entirely different beasts and and it and it's it doesn't matter what level of band that you are. I just think that metal here is is smaller and therefore you're not provided the same luxuries as and, and hospitality in Europe is really good there's pros and cons for both but but yeah you're you're right like uh you know touring europe uh, you know if you if you're a European touring America it's gonna be a kind of a shock to your system because you don't you know in europe most of the time they they feed you and and they put you up and you yeah you're you're mostly traveling and like at worst you're traveling in a sprinter with like a bunk and it's like no you might be like packed in a van and getting motel rooms and like you might get like ten dollars a day to like use towards food but the rest is on you you know like every dollar has to go towards you know this van rental and this Backline rental and this trailer rental and the airline tickets and all this stuff. Like, it's just, it's, there's just a different, there's just two different models in the way. But, but uh, America's starting to sort of take off some of the things that Europe is, which is, which is a good sign. I'm, I've noticing, I've been noticing as I've been touring the two. Sure. But, uh, you know, just some small things here and there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 you know, when we talk about scenes, it's like, there's, there's, there's so many, there's, and, and we fit in with quite a few because we like them all, but like, uh, you know, like you said, like American metal is so different than European metal, um, in terms of, uh, likeness and sound. And then you had, even have like Japanese metal, like what's big over there is, is very different, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time to be a band that I guess is sort of of, of hyped because, you know, in America, it's kind of like just what's the new hot thing. And then in Europe, they kind of like their, their metal a bit more traditional. Um, uh, you know, but like uh, we are very traditional, so they, they, they do end up liking us. It's just taking time and getting in front of the right crowds to kind of build up a fan base over there, but it's starting to work. And we're doing like uh, a whole test of, uh, a whole tour with Creator and Lamb of God. Um, but then like, you know, the rest of the world, it could be it's a roll of the dice. You know, Australia, almost all our shows are sold out. Japan, our shows were great, but it's very different. We actually had a very mixed crowd, which our promoter said was uh, surprising because, you know, metal over there is very uh, almost theatrical. It's got a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance to it, and we just kind of get up there and play. So, it all it 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 it, it all just depends on where you are. You yeah, know, how a show is going to be and and how you're going to get treated, and yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I, don't know, I, don't I remember,
2: mean, remember what the original question to that was? No, no, there no,
1: there was no question. I just the reason I was bringing that up is because I you know I always felt there was some sort of. Um, you know h- advantage that uh, bands had that you know came from the sort of punk and hardcore scene where it was you know you were used to nothing you were used to obviously playing floors and you know playing in front of four people like so you had this sort of you know really foundational experience not to say that metal bands can't experience that because of yeah, course yeah, they do yeah. sure, but sure. you know sure. g- getting used to nothing and then once it's like you know you show up to a venue where they have like you know Some like meat and cheese for you backstage, and you're just like, wait a minute, this is amazing, (laughs) you know?
2: Yeah, well, I think you know, like you get toughened by it, but also like you you learn. Like you, like you, I I have tons of friends who have jumped from you know managing punk and hardcore tours where there's not a lot of money into managing you know DJs and 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 rappers and other bigger artists succeeding because those people have no idea how touring operates they don't understand and like you know we have an understanding from a diy level you know from like uh even owning and running a venue so you know when a venue tells us something we know whether what they're telling us is true or not or you know it's it's things like that where it's like that experience can go a long way and like yeah it'll break some bands bands, you know a lot of bands will get signed before they ever really tour a lot, and they go out, and they go on tour, and their tours are small. They're not successful. And it's like, well, you have to build your audience. You you might have, you know, a uh, hundred thousand followers monthly on Spotify, but that's like spread throughout a world of nine billion people. Like, uh, and I understand, you know, probably less than half of them have an internet connection. But you get my point. Like, there's there's not you're not gonna have your show's packed out every night if you don't go and build and you know it took us a long time to get recognized that we started in 2008 as i'm sure you know and, and did i probably say didn't really start getting any recognition outside of the hardcore world until about like 2016 maybe late 2015 yep. so um yeah it's uh it's <sighs> It's 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 something that's constantly changing. It's in a very uh, um, cocoon like period right now. I think changing big changes are being made to like how uh, music's supposed to work in the next few years. Now that you have all these acts like sort of dying out, you know, like uh, like it is you know Slayer hung it up? Metallica is gonna have to hang it up eventually. You know, Megadeth you know, all these bands, are are kids just going to stop liking metal? You know, like, we know that people like Lamb of God and stuff like that, but, like, you know, like, is is thrash metal just going to be a thing that happened that, you know, people just don't make anymore? You know, maybe there's a revival here or there, but, you know, you don't have people out here playing and writing, you know, new classical music pieces. You know, there are genres of music that tend to to die off and it's like is, is metal gonna be one of them in europe it won't be but in america who knows it could be yeah the cool. the you know all you have to do is look at the charts you know based 20 years ago it was like alternative rock ruled all that stuff when i was growing up alternative rock ruled the charts or at least it was you know peppered in there with these pop artists but now it's it's just pop artist after pop artist after pop artist. The funniest part is they all want to be these metal rock stars. So you see the t-shirts and all that stuff and like trying to like have fake bands and and things like that. They all want to be rockers. It's just, you know, produced in a, you know, produced in a studio in a very fake uh, uh, way, a very non-authentic way. And it's like, okay, so are we going to just try and keep, the attitudes and aesthetics of music that we like, and then just let it become this nebulous thing, you know? It's like, I don't know, we're in, we're in a very interesting time for, uh, for music, for, for, for the music industry, uh, for bands, artists, uh, you know, you have Spotify now, uh, a lot of times, you know, it's kind of reached the point where people aren't really sure what the point of having a record label is. Like, what does a record label do? Or uh or like, you know, if you have a manager, do you need one or the other? You know, things like that. So Yeah. Yeah, it's uh um that's a conversation I could spend the whole podcast on. Yeah. But,
1: but, <laughs> no, well well, trust me, we'll we'll get to that point. Uh but I, I kinda wanna put the spotlight specifically on you. Um you were you born and raised in Texas? Like you know, some sort of simple biographical information I found a little bit difficult to kind of dig down, uh, on you, uh, for, so. Yeah. I
2: mean, I mean, I'm not like a, 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 a mysterious person. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was, uh, <laughs> I was born born and raised in Dallas, uh, in like the first suburb north, uh, of the Dallas city limits called Richardson, uh, my parents are from Detroit. Uh, well, my dad was technically born, I believe in South Dakota. Um, or maybe it was Iowa, but essentially, uh, my, my father's, uh, my, my dad, my, my grand, my grandparent, my grandfather on my dad's side was a a collegiate football and wrestling coach. So he would travel around the Midwest a lot and be, um, you know, an athletic director or whatever. So like, uh, he was athletic director at Wayne state, which is the university in inner city, Detroit, uh, for like 20 years. I think the athletic wing is named after him, maybe. Um, but anyway, they spent like all their formative years in Detroit and then got out, uh, came to Texas. Uh, don't really know why, actually. I think they just wanted to get out of Detroit and then, um, uh, and that, that was, I was born in 86. And, 33 now uh lived in chicago for two years um uh, just wanted to live somewhere else uh would spend summers in michigan and stuff when i was a kid would go there spend like a week or two uh i think one year i even spent like a month um so that was always really nice like the summers in michigan are very pretty so i'm kind of like a, a midwest-blooded person who was raised in texas
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got the Midwest yeah. thing down. Um,
2: yeah, do, yeah, yeah.
1: Are you uh, an only child or brothers and sisters?
2: Uh, oh, I uh, I have, I'm the oldest, but I have a uh, middle brother and a brother and sister who are twins. And I believe that makes them uh, 20, 25 and 29. Nice.
1: Yeah. Got it, got it. Um and so I mean just the uh the couple of times that I I've seen you play I'm just making some uh, armchair judgments on you. Um <laughs> you, you definitely seem like the sort of guy that um you know would probably be able to travel uh in in school being kind of like the guy that's like, "Oh yeah, like, you know, I I'm friendly and outgoing, um but then, you know, I'm into some weird stuff, but, you know, I can kind of generally speaking get along with most people if it's like, you know, the jocks can kind of respect me because I'm maybe a crazy dude and then, you know, the nerds like me because obviously I'm, you know, super into whatever, independent music, whatever that may mean. Um, is that uh, a correct assumption about you or uh, am I completely off base?
3: Yeah, I
2: got got along with everybody in high school. I think that's a pretty, pretty fair assumption to make. Uh, I actually went to an all-male Catholic school. Um, uh, it was a Jesuit school. And uh, it's it's interesting when you separate uh, the genders from from each other, whatever the the sexes. How um, much less people fight, and how much more uh, guys get along. You know, there's sort of this sense of uh, brotherhood, and there, there wasn't really like any bullying. I guess I went to a very progressive school. We had like a I I know my senior theology teacher was openly gay, and no one had a problem with it. And, uh, don't know it's it's I I had a very unique high school experience um in terms of of there wasn't like there just wasn't a lot of bullying in general but I got along with everybody and and I but I didn't have one friend group necessarily either or if I did they were kind of outliers um but uh you know from going to shows and stuff like that from kind of seeing how to confront people and stuff, um, you know, I, I was someone who was able to, uh, to uh, stop, you know, some bullying situations when I was in high school, able to like, you know, not, not be, you know, some fucking hero or trying to sound like a hero, but, you know, I was able to, 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 you know, keep people from, from fights from escalating or making sure if two people were going to fight that it was going to be, a fair, a fair one, you know, or just, you know, telling dudes to lay off of somebody else, you know, like simple things like that, you know, it was, it was, you know, hardcore punk kind of gave me the courage to sort of stand up to people in those moments when they would be, uh, assholes and when confrontation would happen, but they would deescalate really quickly. So, yeah. No, that's cool. Well, yeah, I, had a, I had a really, I had a really unique, I had a really unique, uh, high school experience i would say
1: yeah was there was there a particular reason that you went to that school like were your parents religious and they wanted like you know smaller class sizes or what was the vibe of you going to that school
2: uh i think my my grandparents were catholic and i don't my parents are never practicing catholics uh my um my dad uh, got my mom pregnant before they were married so they kind of had a shotgun wedding i think my grandma would have had a heart attack or something if I was born before they were married or whatever. So they were the more like religious Catholic types was, was my grandma, my grandpa on my, uh, but uh, on both sides of my family, really. And then, um, so uh, 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 at age 16, I saw some wedding photos and my mom had a baby bump and I was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) And she was like, Oh, that's, that's, you i was like oh i was like thanks for telling me she's like no one ever told you and i was like no no one ever told me she's like oh i guess we forgot like thank you that's some (laughs) information
1: that's like that's pretty important for me to know Uh, thanks
2: (laughs) but um yeah,
1: they uh uh what was the question? I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I was just, yeah, I was gonna say like w- w- why you were sent to that school because usually there's kind of you oh, know, a right. specific reason.
2: Yes, okay. So uh right, Catholic wedding, uh at a nice Catholic church, uh out here. My parents ended up liking the school, so when I was old enough they sent me there. So it's a Catholic school from like kindergarten through twelve through through high school. Um, I think I think they just I think they just wanted to send me to uh, a good school i think my father uh knows my father's not a religious person but i think he knows a lot about religion and i think he thought if we're gonna send him anywhere that's private that uh that like catholics would probably be the best bet um and uh and yeah that's where you went. so yeah, that's i where... uh, i that's that's how it is i tried pretty hard to get thrown out of school sometimes but um, you know, it didn't happen. <laughs> you weren't successful. <laughs> they, always, they always, they always believed in me. And yeah. I had a, 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 a disciplinary principal, like I'm not going to let you get expelled from the school, and I'm really glad they did it. I'm yeah. glad they did it. I, uh, had a, I had a really good time at that school. It was funny. We we like I said, mostly everyone got along. as lot brotherhood. Blah blah blah. And then down the street, we had a sister school called Ursula. And uh and those girls would tear each other apart. Like they were they hated each other. It was just like cattiness and fighting and like I know a girl who got expelled because another girl took a shit on the floor of the bathroom and then and then blamed it on her. Like <laughs> I was like, I heard I heard this girl did it. Like I was like, Oh my god, that's like brutal, yeah. Diabolical. I don't even think of I don't even I didn't even heard of anyone at our school doing shit like that. Like we would pull pranks, but we were never mean-spirited about it. Yeah, for we sure. We certainly wouldn't get anyone expelled, expelled out of school.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And so, I mean, kind of going through school, like you said, you know, you were trying to get expelled or what have you. Did you have any sort of, uh, I guess, vision for your future? Was it one of those things of like, oh, yeah, like maybe I, uh, you know, can be a, a – you know, I don't know. Like whatever you, you had, some sort of career or profession in your head.
2: Uh, growing up, I always wanted to be. Um, uh, I always said I wanted to be a, dire- a movie director, not knowing really what that entailed. I just knew that I loved movies and uh, I was in town they were made, but I still didn't really understand what a director did. But when it was like, what well, do you want to be at school with, like career day? Like you know, that's what I always chose. I think I chose geologist a couple of years, probably around when Jurassic Park was hot or something like that. But um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, no, like in in my in my head in high school, I always just thought it would be this sort of lazy kind of like, okay, I'll go to go to college for English and I'll just figure it out. I'll I'll teach if I have to, or you know, like. Like, I guess I sort of saw myself in some, like, writing, editing role. Like, I I got, you know, a, a, a counselor turned me on to, like, technical writing, which is, like, a well-paying profession and industry. And I ended up getting my degree in that, actually. Um, but, you know, like, I, I no, I, it, it was funny. I, you know, like, uh, uh, once I started doing band stuff i became really obsessed with that I, 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 and i knew it wasn't something that would be successful or i certainly didn't expect it to be but i i you know it was like i had a high school band at the time and then power trip started when i was like 20 22 and uh uh I, you know like i just wanted to like um uh, uh i i just wanted to like uh, be in a band that didn't suck and and go on tour and like that was where my passion was, was sort of this, like, uh, uh, what I thought, you know, normally would be a misplaced dream, kind of, but, like, so so I got to live out my dream, really, already, so everything from here on out for the rest of my life is pretty much, you know, the icing on the cake, uh, but, so, yeah, I could, you know, maybe take writing more seriously, or something like that, but I, know I never had, like, I was never going to and I never thought, oh, I'm gonna be a career musician uh, and or and have this career back up in mind. And then I also certainly didn't have a career in mind.
1: Rockabilia is the place where you can order all of your band merch. Straight up, one of the best companies that I have ever seen or worked with, in regards to the merchandise business, they have their stuff on point, officially licensed band merch, quick shipping. And let's be honest, with all of these tours being canceled, left and right, Rockabilia, is the place where you can support so many of these artists because they're going to see royalties from you purchasing this particular piece of band merch. They have half a million items, hoodies, you know, windbreakers, posters, scarves, they have everything there. And you can use this code PC100Words that will get you 15% off your order. So type in PC100Words, 15% off, regardless of what it is you're buying. Say you're buying a $1,000, you're gonna get $150 off, right? That's quick math. For me, I'm really proud of myself when I do that, but Rockabilia is just just the best. I love their support of this show, and I love what the company does, so please support them, support the band, support this whole music community that's hurting right now. So rockabilia.com, PC 100 words, gets you 15% off. Thank you very much, Rockabilia.
2: But yeah, once I I was getting out of college, I had much more of an idea of, oh, I could get a a job in this industry in this industry. I, I think I got a lot of misinformation in high school, on, um, how getting into college works and picking programs and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where if I could do it again, uh, I would, um, I probably still would do the band and there's certain things I would have done to make sure the band became a bit more successful faster, but like, um, uh, I I I would have I definitely would have done better in school, that's for sure, and I would have made sure I got my degree from from a, a better university or gotten a better degree or something like that, you know. Sure. So I, I kind of I regret I I definitely squandered. I was a C student in high school, and then like once I got to college and got to take classes, I I had I had like nearly a four point GPA almost all through college, so. Um, Yeah, like once I got past the basics and like classes that I was forced to take and was able to take, do things that I wanted to do, I, you know, became an A student.
1: Right, exactly. Once you started to actually activate the things you were passionate about, then you're like, oh, I actually like this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And,
1: and what was your kind of a gateway to, you know, like punk and hardcore? Like, did you have, I mean, obviously you were the oldest sibling, so you didn't have any, you know, older brothers or sisters to kind of show you the way. Was it just kind of, you know, your friends starting to ping pong ideas off of each other?
2: Um, I had an older cousin actually. Well, so like I had kind of, um, known about like some music through like a friend's older brother. There was like a neighborhood kid that I was friends with and, he and I would run around, and he had, like, an older brother who was into, like, Sepultura, and I think, like, I heard Napalm death for the first time from him, and, like, was like, this is the scariest music I've ever heard, and then, like, you know, like, years later, realized it was Napalm death, and was like, whoa, that's crazy that that was that band all those years ago, or whatever, but, like, yeah, there was, like, he had, like, a a, a brother who was sort of, like, a, a metalhead, but, you know, like, he didn't really want to hang with hang out with us much he didn't really care less um but what we did do is 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 i had a a cousin who was from southern california and uh and he basically uh was like i think i was into like the first lincoln park cd or something maybe like 311 or whatever he was like Nah, that stuff's okay you need to listen to this and he showed me all the like Southern California punk that was in at the time, um, all the Fat Records stuff, the Epitaph stuff. He was like, you know, showing me, you know, all strung out and ranted. Lagwagon. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that Lagwagon was on. Yeah, that was so like that was that was probably the summer between like seventh and eighth grade eighth grade in high school. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, when I put on, I fell in love and I was like, really all I cared about for years was punk music.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and so then once you started to like, you know, go to shows and start to get exposed to more stuff beyond just the, you know, epitaph and and fat records stuff, um, did, were you immediately kind of like taken by the scene and started to go to as many shows as possible? Or did you kind of have to like, you know,
2: slowly work your way in there? Yeah, no, I remember. I remember um, Fame was just back together or something. I don't know. It was like like two thousand one. And um, they did a show, and it was like Fame, comeback pin, in control. Uh, I think the Suicide File might have played um who else played that show oh The Promise see it was a real wild lineup there's a lot of bands like I didn't know who The Promise was I was like sort of familiar with what Straight Edge was through Minor Threat but I didn't really know and then um but yeah there was this 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 show sold out and it was in a really pretty small room like I would say less than 200 people or so and yeah, it was it was this this show that just like blew my blew my fucking mind. I mean, like everything about it just blew my mind. I uh, the energy and the feeling and you know it was like I couldn't tell if all these people knew each other and and it was like you know that like yeah the concept of like a scene hadn't really uh, erupted in my mind of like wow that, there, that there's people that come to these same shows and and do this like all the time. I realized that existed and yeah I was like I want to be a part of this 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 is for me this is this is the fun that I want to have and the people that I want to have it with and that's sort of how I guess I got launched into all of that was just sort of seeing my first true hardcore show because I had seen a bunch of hardcore seen like like violent stuff like I'd seen like hey and blood for blood and, and sick of it all and all that stuff but like this was like the first show where it was like wow unity, you kind of like it was on the more positive tip yeah yeah on the more positive tip and then it was something where i was like oh you know like you know i liked melodic hardcore for a really long time because of that because because of that positivity and 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 all of that that came with it and it and it it made me feel good. You know, I even had like a shitty, uh, like melodic hardcore band for a few years before starting power trip. I won't name it. Uh, someone could probably find it, but that's fine. I wish they wouldn't. Um, but we'll <laughs> I, won't, I,
1: w- I won't, I won't, name. I won't name it. It's okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 I'm not even going to tell you, so you can't name it. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I I saw that, and that was where, like, everything kind of changed, and I tried to, like, I tried to come to every show that I could, and yeah.
1: That's awesome, that's awesome.
2: That was, so, so, but there was other shows there, you know, another one I think that was pretty big um, in my formative years was, um, it was Suicide File, Every Time I Die. No, Suicide File, My Chemical Romance, Every Time I Die, and uh, American Nightmare and that was another thing where it was like oh okay all right so this scene also has like a broad set of sounds too where these these bands can sort of play together and that's something that I've always kept in mind with Power Trip too was like uh, okay like you know like we don't have to restrict you know it's 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 so odd that people make such a big deal about us playing with like other acts or like like indie acts or whatever and i'm like this is this was the norm in the late 90s early 2000s i don't understand what like like why it became why it needed to be segregated in the first place so like yeah oh i think We're just not we're just we're just not even gonna listen to that we're just not even gonna pay attention to that stupid rule
1: yeah, well, because I think too, most people that obviously came up during that those eras, you know, mid '90s to early 2000s, a lot of it was due to the fact that uh, you know bands were just trying to find cool people to tour with. It didn't people necessarily to play to exactly yeah. totally, but yeah, no, your point, yeah, your point. Your point of the segregation, though, like you know, I think. I mean, in my opinion, once the business really started to infiltrate where uh, it was like, oh, we can make, you know, we as in like the music industry can make money off this thing. We obviously need to have package tours and like all of these things where it's like, yeah, the the kids at the show need to have the same experience. But I, I totally agree with you that right. it's more fun well, well, to have more.
2: Well, what you're saying is those package tours started to become much more homogenized of bands that sounded like the other bands that they were on tour with. I mean, you would have in the '90s, you'd have, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't know if this is a tour that happened. I'm just saying, but you could have like Soundgarden and Temple Tour together. You know, like they had, they had package tours. They were always bigger level, but they had package tours, and, uh, and 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 they worked. They were and they were always mixed builds. So like it's not like it's like this like foreign concept to anyone, not even to the mainstream. But oh. then at some point, every, everyone decided that they, you know, kids figured out that they could just mosh at rap shows, and that was it. It was like, what was the what was the need for electric <laughs> guitar music anymore? Yeah, and it's sort of been struggle. It's sort of been struggling to find its place. I think.
1: Yeah. Um kind of, uh, n- not fast forwarding per se, but, you know, like once, uh, you know, power trip started to play and, you know, clearly off the, uh, you know, this, the, you guys were existing in the same scene as iron age. And, uh, it, you know, it really felt like, I mean, I remember watching things kind of from afar, like being from Southern California and seeing the fact that it's like, Oh, wow. Like there's, you know, things that are really happening in Texas and like a scene is, is, you know, coming together in a, you know, more national perspective. Um, You know, as you started to kind of you know play out and tour, did you notice that kind of people reflecting that statement back to you? That like, oh yeah, like Texas is a thing now in ways that Uh, it wasn't before. um,
2: At the time, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess like it it felt it felt um, a lot of times hard. Like it felt like we were fighting for respect for a lot of time. Like Texas put us out on this island, and we had sort of a distinct sound with Iron Age and Bitterend and we went along with it. So it was like this sort of trio of bands and you know, Iron Age kind of had some infamy around them and it was like, Okay, so, you know, are these what are these kids like if they're they're friends with Iron Age? Like are they cool? You know, like you know, like those guys to be troublemakers, whatever. Like uh, and 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 then Bitter M really just like was touring as hard? I don't think at the time. It was just this new like, uh, like yeah, people were cur- People were c- very curious about us. Like, oh, who is this new band? And then, and then they, they they liked it. And I, you know, I think I think we were good. You know, I think we're fine. I think we're at the level now where we're getting the respect that we deserve. Um, I think you know, it bums me out when I see bands start. Um, earlier and then you know because of marketing or or knowing the right people or whatever they get you know kind of like they sort of skip a level and they kind of they, they they get to like you know they get bigger faster that that stuff sort of you know it's hard not to be jealous of stuff like that but like at least I can also say we grinded for everything that we that we did do you know like like every everything that we earned did not fall into our lap it came from us being on the road, you know, for 200 plus days a year, uh, uh, you know, in the recent years, maybe even more 250 plus. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's one of those things where, uh, I think we did the math recently, and it was like we had definitely done like a thousand shows in like five years or something like that, which you know that's a lot might not sound crazy but you do the math on that that's a lot so um yeah uh uh i i you know i i, I think people want instant gratification and and, and it, it it's it's it, it might it might be what it might be what helps us survive is that that we went you know for so long feeling like all right, we're just doing this for fun. This is just, this isn't, you know, we are all coming home to day jobs and and this isn't, like, the most important thing in the world to us. And that now it is and there's pressure on us. But, like, I also know that, like, you know, if it ended tomorrow, I'd be okay. You know, like, like, it's not, it's not. Life or death. It's not life or death here. So, Yeah. No, well, that's
1: that's a, no, that's a real healthy perspective, because I think, you know, a lot of people, regardless of what scene you're playing in, a lot of people attach their ego and many times like self-worth with their creative output, which is, of course, like, you know, that's a healthy thing to a certain extent. But when it's like, you know, when you're rallying from power trip and then you can't see your life past that, like that's a that's a scary scenario to be in.
2: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I, I think, you know, right now, you know, that probably is, that's who I am. I am mean, Riley for power trip, but like, you know, in 10, 20 years, you know, who knows, maybe it's Riley the guy who wrote that movie or it's Riley, the guy who's dead or <laughs> no, you know, it could hopefully, be like, hopefully not, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not, but it could be <laughs> any, any number of things that you, you, like you said, like, you know, if people would go through career changes, it would be it would be out of the norm for me to uh, to like you know, it would be out of the norm for me to do this as a career for forty years, you know? It would be it would be it would almost be odd and out of place. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, no, I it. You know, it. like I like you're almost supposed to have to have changed jobs and 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 found a different career. You know, like it's very rare that people stay on the same stay doing the same thing. My dad's been an entrepreneur his whole life. And I think he's had you know he's owned four or five businesses on his own, and it's just you know he moves on. He moves on when it's time to move on. And I feel like you know there might be a time where it's time to move on. And when I say move on, I mean, don't break up the band, but it's something where it's like, okay, we just won't tour as much, you know, we won't do these backbreaking tour schedules anymore. And, you know, like if you want, if you really want us to come play your show, then you know, you might have to offer us a little bit more money because, you know, I got to, I, I have a job now. I got to ask off, you know, things like that. So, you know, like, yeah. one of our, one of our guys just bought a house and proposed to his girlfriend. I'm sure the kid's not going to be too far behind, you know, it's like we're in our thirties now. We, we need to, I want to live. I think, I think, I think it's fair for me to want to live like a normal 30 year old, you know? And I feel behind, but like, I at the the be in the world. Uh, but I I would like to you know it's got it's got to start to pay off you know if I start to reach forty and I haven't re- my lifestyle hasn't really changed much between now and then uh, you know I really might start assessing you know like if this is the right career path for me because you know I'm not making I'm not you know I want to build I want to provide for something I want to provide and leave something behind for whoever yeah whoever comes after me.
1: Yeah. No, I totally understand what you're saying. And kind of on that same tip, you know, the, the, the business once like, you know, power trip started to, you know, get out there. And like you said, you know, start to work with labels and management and all of these music business trappings that, you know, every band has to consider. Um, have you been, uh, I guess, comfortable in dealing with that? Um, I mean, I know no one really necessarily like, likes it that much, but, um, what's your relationship, I guess, with the business side
2: of the band? I mean, yeah, I'll I'll definitely say no one likes it, and uh, we all hate it um, to an extreme. Um, Luckily, we have a friend, his name is Brent Eyestone. He used to do Magic Bully Records, and now he does uh, a thing called Dark Operative, which is sort of kind of like a a, a, a solutions-based company or bands, so they don't just stick to management or printing record labels or whatever, they have bands with distribution or getting set up on time, like Brent would like to see, you know, the art go back into the hands of the artist, and and so, whatever, anyway, Brent has kind of had our back uh, these uh, last couple years, um, uh, teaching us, you know, our way to the industry, we had a manager that uh, you know, ended up being, like, a total fucking scumbag, like a thief, you know, stealing money from us, and it was, you know, you know, uh, uh, Brent, you know, did a lot to, like, teach us about it, and he's independently wealthy, so it's like he doesn't really stand to gain anything other than that he, like, likes and believes in the band and wants to help us out, so um, having someone like that in our corner is, is kind of a miracle. I feel like it's sort of, like, karma for all the years where we sort of, you know, struggled blindly through this whole, this whole process. And, you know, being from Texas, we didn't have built in uh, media, you know, you know, Dallas doesn't have really like a music culture, you know, like it's, we could sort of break into Austin's, but their reach is only so far. It's like you really have to like connect to people in LA and New York and these bigger places to really sort of start to have a cultural effect and 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 now now that we have you know you, you see see it pay off and you know brent being from southern california he's someone who started out as seeing our banding is now basically you know saving our asses when it comes to how to navigate the record industry so yeah that's cool i'm really? not happy with it no right but, yeah. uh, it's a necessary have, evil but, but we have some but we have somebody on our side which
1: is nice yeah no that's really cool um and a couple more things before i let you go was the uh like you mentioned earlier you know the lamb of god tour was the first thing that really kind of you know put you in a spotlight that you know you felt like you could really you know turn people's heads and capture uh you know more people's attention from that perspective um it, you know was it was it one of those things like because you were on you know clearly like one of the probably the biggest stages that you had been on um was there sort of an acclimation process like you know the first couple of shows where you're like all right like you no, know, no
2: no 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 because it was like it was like uh, all right right off the bat these are going to be some of the biggest shows we've ever played so it's like i just got to go out there and play the best that i can like like uh, uh you know like let me, let me just pretend this is a headlining show here, you know there's eight there's eight hundred people, there's a thousand people watching us, you know, like even though we're the opener, we had thirty minutes between the doors and what's going on, so it was like it well, wasn't nice it depended on how many people could get through the door, but I knew these people had never heard us before, and that there was a lot of them, so like of course, I was gonna go out there and Form, like as best I could to try to impress you know these people anytime we get asked to do a tour like that dancing tours uh, like that even the High Fire Tour I mean I never not uh, every, every show there, you don't really get a different experience in terms of like I, I'm i I'm trying to deliver you the same show experience which is me giving you 100% of my you know my body The
1: music industry at large is really hurting right now, and soundrink.com is one of those companies that is impacted by all these canceled tours. So you need to visit their website and see what you can potentially do to support tours later on in the year. What Soundrink does is they put together some amazing VIP ticket experiences for all of your favorite bands. Maybe it's like a, you know, coffee with your band before, your favorite band before the show. Maybe it's a silkscreen poster or limited edition t-shirt. They're an incredible company, and it pains me to see them and so many of our friends and family members within this community of independent music hurting from all of these cancellations. So. Soundrink.com I know will persevere, and they're an incredible partner of ours and so many of your favorite bands. I can't tell you how amazing this company is. I try to on a week-to-week basis, but you need to visit their website and find out how you can get involved with the tour packages that they work on and put together. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I can't recommend them enough. They put together these amazing packages with the bands and the management. This isn't just some, like, cookie-cutter Terrible experience that it's just like, oh, whatever, we'll roll the same thing out for every single tour. No, Soundrink does not do that. I love them so much, and you need to support them. So go to soundrink.com and find your favorite artists' upcoming tours near you. Thank you, Soundrink.
0: In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown,
1: Uh, something that I find interesting too, is that, I mean, almost every single like press piece or interview always mentions the fact that, you know, you actually say stuff on stage, like you are sharing your political opinion or your opinion about, you know, whatever, uh, the topic of the day may be. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but people seem like genuinely surprised that you, uh, would do that just because, you know, a lot of times, Bands don't feel comfortable being political for one reason or another. But, um, you know, obviously, the scene and subculture that we've come from that is very much indicative of <laughs> so many bands do that. Um, is it interesting for you for people to be like, oh, I, obviously, I'm not going to support Power Trip because, you know, they don't like, uh, you know, they don't align with my political beliefs? And what's your
2: relationship with that? Well, you know, I think everything guys blown out of proportion, it's really been like a handful of people, you know. And they're both on the internet or whatever, but like we've never really had a problem. And and the thing is, is I don't really say anything political on stage. Are these these people, I wonder if they're at the show. Most of the time, I'm making like bad self-deprecating jokes. I'm just like, hey, know, thank you for coming, thank you for the attention, you know, like, or I make like a a vague allusion to what a song is about. I really don't like. It's way different than if you go up there and see like napalm death and have barney you know lecturing you for two minutes which i think is great i wish i could be that articulate to to politically kind of you know motivate people but my beliefs are very are very radical when i say radical i mean basic they're very very stripped down it's like it's like you know like there's no reason that that anyone of any type should feel uncomfortable at these shows like everyone is welcome like this like you know, keep metal underground. Bullshit is lame. Um, yeah, keep metal underground. Um, you know, I just, you know, there's no re. I have no tolerance for racism, sexism, mm-hmm. homophobia, transphobia, Islamophobia, xenophobia, any phobic shit like that. You know, I hate seeing people get mistreated at shows. You know, so like, security guards you know, like guys who think they're pit bosses, things like that, you know, I want that taken care of. I like, there's a way, and you know this to release positive, aggressive energy. And there's a wrong way to do it too. And what I want to do is bring that positive, aggressive energy from whatever early power trip shows or, from the hardcore shows I grew up on And I want to bring that to 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 our shows That's why You know, it's like I encourage anybody to mosh the way that they want As long as they're not being an asshole Like, I want kids to two-step or spin kick or whatever As long as they're not, like, hurting anybody Or But, like, you know, if there's, like, guys who want to push mosh and all that stuff You know, it's like, I'm sorry, I can't, like, you know you know like you guys got to figure that out i'm sorry i can't like give you your space to 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 do your cool like spin kicks but like also i i do think guys bumping into each other like you know like adams or something looks stupid too you know like it's like i think like you know i i i i would like to just see everyone circle bit you know that's my I go to. Sure.
1: <laughs> You're like that's that
2: that's the mode that I would uh, like every, people to exist in. Everyone everyone makes a circle pit or should or should. Yeah, um, I agree. And that's what they should do. Right. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's that's uh at Power Trip shows just circle pit. That's the the simplest simplest way to describe it. Um the last thing I want
2: to hit on was the um Oh but, oh, oh, but real quick. Please. Yeah, I just want to say I'm just not, I'm just not that political. Just, you know, it's a weird, real weird misconnection. Am I a political person? Yeah. Do we have strong political beliefs? Yes. You know, but like, I, don't, I think, I don't think I go that way to challenge anything that complex. You know, it's like, it's it's very odd i I, i'm not trying to be a political figure a political martyr i i want to talk politics because i think it's easy i think people are missing a lot of points and getting hung up on a lot of minutiae and rather than 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 looking at like the facts of like how to stop you know climate change and how to end world hunger and you know like how do we get these warmongers to stop using our bodies and our souls for, for their profit and for their, you know, motives, things like that. Really simple stuff, you know, like, you know, it's not right wing, left wing, like right wing, left, we can talk economics and stuff like that all day. And like, it's always going to be a friendly conversation, but if it's like, you come to me and say, most Muslims have no place in this country, then, then we, then like the, the conversation might as well end right there, you know, Like, unless I believe that I'm somehow going to change your mind, you know, but like I am completely intolerant of the intolerant, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean,
1: and you'd like to think that that would be a logical stance, but, um, you know, some people don't sit in that same
2: camp, <laughs> but I understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, but yeah, but like it shows if something important happens that day, or it's a holiday, or uh, you know, I, I feel the need of something, so I might slip something in there. Um, you know, I have a a, a certain um, exit to the stage that I feel like is 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 respectfully neutral um, to people um, to say goodnight. and then uh, you know, like uh, I I. I yeah it's just my mission is 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 to make metal a place that 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 anyone can go to and and feel strong and feel tough and feel empowered and 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 punch a person and, and that person doesn't get mad they punch you right back whatever you hug you buy each other a beer whatever it's just shit it's not that like i've been i've been seeing it and and going to shows and doing it for 20 years, like, I know it exists. I know it's possible. It's it. We should be bringing it to the mainstream because I think it would be good for everyone.
1: Yeah, uh, ultimately, it's a sense of community.
2: Right. Well, <laughs> now that we've realized that, I mean, I think the world at large has woken up that, that, you know, like, Uh, even the middle class is such a small part of the world's population. Like we have so many people who have it so much worse than we do. Uh, I mean, just so unimaginably worse. And, and we wake up and we're unhappy and, you know, we can bring that to the masses and, and say, look, like, like there's people who are responsible for this here. They are, you know, like, and I'm like, if you treat people this, you know, the right way, you know, these problems, Will go away, like we, we, but you know, like uh, there, there, there is, there's, you know, I believe in entropy, I believe in creation and destruction, and it's, and it's, to, and, and that, and I believe in that cycle, and I believe it is time to destroy the old way that we have had, uh, leaders run the world and, and realize that, um, you know, like as corny as it sounds is that we are one scene or whatever, you know, like, I mean. Come on, I don't know how old you are, but I, I I would, you know, I'm sorry, but I would make fun of you if 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 90% of what you listen to was still hardcore. Like, you know, like uh, you should have a wider, yeah, you know, broader view of music than that. A wider, broader view of the world. A wider, broader view of anything. And uh, I don't think it's that difficult to accept, but a lot of people are pushing, fighting it really hard and and it, what it is is because it's not black and white it's, it's the idea that things are sort of nebulous that like things are always changing things are, are aren't always concrete um and that throws a lot of people off it's hard for them to accept that uh the the kind of like you know Schrodinger's cat thing is it alive is it dead you know like it uh, how about who cares right you know, how about how about how about how about we just live your life and try and make that box the nicest box or make, 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 make the, the environment around the box the nicest it possibly can. So that if that cat does come out alive one day, it has a nice place.
1: Totally. Yeah. Spread, spread, spread the positivity. Cause that will go, uh, as, as cliched as that sounds, that will go a much longer way than, um, mm-hmm. trying to cause division. And, uh, that just doesn't, it won't help anybody.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah,
1: I, I agree. Um, the last thing I want to hit on that I'll let you go is the, um, you know, when, you know, when you guys started to get out there and tour, um, you know, you clearly have one relationship with tour when you first get out there and then, you know, you're, uh, when touring becomes such a regular part of your life, like you mentioned, you know, five years over a thousand shows, you know, how does tour sit with you now? Is it one of those things that you, um, you know, it's a part of your, you know, quote unquote job and you have to do it, and uh you know do you enjoy touring still like where does your head go it it entirely
2: it it, it entirely depends on the circumstance where we're going how long we're going for what we're in who we're with all of that you know um yeah yeah i i i you know it's like uh uh hey do you want to to you know uh we could do Um, A week of shows with Red Death while you drive the van and trailer up to Chicago and you play with the Misfits. Yeah, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. All right, all right. Do that, you know, with Danzig but you're in a van and a trailer for like two or three weeks. All right, that can be kind of tiring. Like, you know, um, uh, on the High on Fire Tour we use this thing called a bandwagon which uh do you know what that is do you know what a I, I, do. Is? I do i hate i hate them i hate them so much i think i think they're the worst things in the world I, I call them mobile jail units because it actually feels like being in county jail when you're in it um i couldn't say enough bad things about it um so uh uh if you're uh uh podcast is sponsored by bandwagon i am sorry uh, don't worry
1: about it we're we're safe we're safe
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> uh 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 i like we did we did five weeks and like i didn't sleep and like i'm pretty sure i got walking pneumonia and i like like the last day like when we woke up going to texas i i was i was cho- like i was cho- i was waking i was waking up because i was choking like because i was like suffocating and you know like i couldn't breathe in those things because when you're in tour in the summer and you have the AC, you have all this fresh air pumping in and like whatever and like you can open up the windows and all that, but during the winter when it's cold, all of the the heater is just like a convection coil. It's like being inside of an oven, you know? So like you might as well just like so might as well just be like cooking whatever germs and, and other bullshit that people have been Like, you know, I'm at the bottom bunk and they're just, you know, coughing and hacking it down to me. And it's, it's, it's it's a nightmare. It's like, I don't, I don't know. You don't, you don't, you don't have any alone time there, you know, like I, 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 and then, but then you'll go to Europe and you'll get on a tour bus and you might end up sharing it with two or three bands, which sounds like, okay. But you know, like space can be tough. Like I, I, it's, busses i can sleep on they have suspension you know like they're way different in terms of comfort things like that um but we've never done a bus tour in america so i don't know i i would like to find a band to like split one with i i'm more of the kind of cost cutting person like you know if, if 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 we can if we can unless the drives are that crazy like on a a tour that chases busses everywhere because sometimes you don't have a choice either. Um, you know, I would prefer to take the van and get motels and then drive. You know, drive, if you drive two hours outside the show, you go to your motel, stay there until checkout, and then you leave and drive the rest of the way. But I don't drive the van, um, so it's not really on me. Uh, so a lot of the guys, you know, you know, the guys who do drive might say, you know, like that's too long for us to be driving, so like we're gonna get this bandwagon, which is kind of what was the case with the Honda Fire Tour. But uh, I don't think I'm able to do tours on those anymore. They make me too miserable. My ra- morale is too low. I was having to sleep during the day because you can't sleep at night. They they rumble the whole way. You're just like it can't be good for your body. I probably have some form of like CTE or something caused by just jiggling you know like just being like and then headbanging and all that stuff so yeah uh it 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 entirely depends but it can range from sucks to 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 rad yeah it's awesome really sucks yeah
1: (laughs) no no i appreciate that because yeah
2: usually uh, one one week one week we did we split a bus with venom Prison there's still like i think 14 of us and the crew, so it's pretty packed but one week we finally got the bus we were supposed to get they gave us the shitty one finally got the bus we were supposed to get and it was so nice for that one week we all had like nice bunks we had like uh two lounges with like tvs like places spaces for everyone to hang out you know like um cuz a lot of that stuff gets filled. you know you see this big bus and it's like wow but it's like a lot of it is just dedicated to like people sleeping in there or whatever it's like you have you know you might be fitting 12 to 16 people in this 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 tiny space
1: Yeah totally right so, it's like yeah the, you know, well, at least you had that week of uh you know uh, of blissful touring
2: <laughs> Yeah but uh, a lot of times i find myself having to uh, sleep during the day because if uh, I, I can't get really any restful sleep at night while uh, not not in the bandwagon, sometimes buses, but I can't get any restful sleep. So what I'll do is I'll end up um, typically sleeping from like uh, after sound check until, until the show starts. So you get like two or three hours of sleep a day. Uh, and then it's almost like I wake up and play the set, and that's like my morning run, right? <laughs> like my morning, my morning exercise, and then I'm up to the next, you know, whatever, how many hours a human stays awake for—sixteen—and then, and then maybe go to bed, something like that. So it, it, it all depends.
1: Yeah. No, no, I appreciate that yeah. answer.
2: For me, mostly it's a nightmare, and I know for other people it can
1: be a real nightmare too so all right Riley thank you very much for coming on the show thank you very much Bailey for setting this interview up and uh, yeah making sure it happened I appreciate that so like I said two weeks off next new episode will be April 8th and that episode is with Casey Cavalier from the Wonder Years who unfortunately just had to cancel a tour recently that they were out on but uh, I had this discussion with Casey probably about a month month and a half ago uh, it was a great great discussion. So that's what we'll have on April 8th. And please, I say this at the end of every podcast, but I mean it even more so now than ever. Be safe, everybody.
3: Hi, I'm Esther Dean. I've made my life by writing songs like Fireworks by Katy Perry, Super Bass by Nicki Minaj, What's My Name by Rihanna, just to name a few. And now I'm having an absolute blast sharing some of the knowledge that I've learned with upcoming songwriters on Songland on NBC. I'm excited to welcome you to a brand new season of Songland and Songland's podcast, giving you new insight into the magical art of songwriting as told by some of the best in the business and also the pioneers and the up-and-comers who will be shaping the hits you'll be listening to for years. We have an amazing roster of talent this season. I promise you, you don't want to miss one single episode. Don't miss Songland, Monday nights at 10, 9 Central, and join us here on Songland's podcast, available every week after the show on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts.